0: Come out the ground, not making a sound. The smell of death is all around. And at night, when the cool wind blows, no one cares.
1: welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week, I have an important question to ask you, Lemuel. Yes? Would you ever want to be buried in a pet cemetery?
0: No, I don't think there would be enough room. Hmm.
1: Maybe. Lots of
0: pets. Not a lot of space. Maybe if you're buried foot down.
1: Oh, good. Yes. Which is really the only way we should be burying people at this point. I'm
0: sure I've been someone's pet during the course of my life.
1: Ooh, that's too much information. <laughs> this week we watched 1989 version of Pet Cemetery, uh written screenplay by our very own Stephen King, directed by Mary Lambert, a lady as you uh, indicated in our yes, last yeah, episode. Yeah. Uh
0: Drawing Dale Midkiff and the glacial beauty of Denise Cosby.
1: I want to talk a little bit about, a bit about Mary Lambert.
0: Okay, let's talk about Mary Lambert.
1: So before this movie, she directed every music video that you've ever seen. Oh. That's probably not true. But several Madonna videos, including Borderline, Like a Virgin, Material Girl. She did Janet Jackson's Nasty and Control. She uh-huh. did La Isla Bonita. She did some Sheila East, some Eurythmics, some Go Go's. She did a lot of the big name videos in the 1980s. Then she made a movie called Siesta in 1987 that I have never, ever heard of, but listen to this cast. Ellen Barkin, Gabriel Byrne, Julian Sands, Isabella Rossellini, Martin Sheen, Grace Jones, Jodie Foster, etc. Etc. Cetera. Etc. Cetera.
0: Et cetera. Is that a Yul etcetera? etc., or is that a James McAvoy? Et it's et cetera. a James
1: McAvoy, etc. Etc. I've
0: I've heard of that film. I I remember when it was out. I don't know anything about it.
1: Excuse me. It is based it on a novel, and it stars everybody. Okay. So she made that in 1987. That was her. Uh, motion picture Debit. Debit. And then she made this in 1989. And I don't know how I feel about this movie.
0: Oh, really? Tell me more.
1: First of all, I thought I had seen it before, but I'm pretty sure I just saw the clips that you see in the 100 scariest moments from AFIs. 100 worst
0: children, 100 most abusive parents, Yeah, well, 100 most frightening pets.
1: Yes, all of these, all of these. Okay. Um... Because I did not remember many of the things from it. Yeah. We did see the remake earlier this year, which has a very significant uh, plot change, which we will talk about later. All right. Uh, I think I liked this one maybe better.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: They made some choices that I don't necessarily agree with, but wow the ending is affecting I will right. say that it is like I was ups- I was like was it upset? more affecting
0: than the ending in the remake
1: oh probably I think so yeah uh, which is necessitated by a very very young yeah person
0: being involved
1: so content warning for this pet death child death child death right Yep. pet death again <laughs> Multiple, multiples of each of those things. Uh, this, oh, let me, let me do the one sentence. This is from IMDb. All right, explain this to me like I'm a two-year-old, okay? Because there's an element to this thing. I just cannot get through my thick head. After tragedy strikes, a grieving father discovers an ancient burial ground behind his home with the power to raise the dead. That's not quite right. (laughs) But that's okay. So the movie opens with, let me actually do this, because I think this is an interesting part of the book that is sort of shown in the movie, but sort of not shown in the movie. Let me read you the opening of the book. All right. Lewis Creed, who had lost his father at three and who had never known a grandfather, never expected to find a father as he entered his middle age. But that was exactly what happened, although he called this man a friend, as a grown man must do, when he finds the man who should have been his father relatively late in life. He met this man on the evening he and his wife and his two children moved into the big white frame house in Ludlow. Winston Churchill moved in with them. Church was the daughter Eileen's cat. So, this is the this is how Stephen King is framing this book as a book about um, Lewis and his new dad figure Judd.
0: It's about family.
1: But it's about Lewis it's and sort of like his new dad Fast figure Judd. Four, five, six, seven,
0: eight. uh
1: and one, also one and two. Uh,
0: okay. But I not really
1: know. three. <laughs> um, um. Yeah. So. The book is framed very much as a relationship between Lewis and Judd. Judd is the next door neighbor, older gentleman lives next door, uh, ruins this family's life, <laughs> mostly because Lewis is makes poor choices. I feel like he's probably addicted to something that we don't see. Do you know what I mean? Like the choices he makes makes me think makes me think that he might be like like he might have a gambling problem.
0: Okay. Or something.
1: I, I, well,
0: <laughs> uh, this is the book that was one of the books that was read to me as I was making my son's, what eventually would be my son's room, painting it, setting up the, the cradle, the changing table, and things like that. So this was, had an effect on me because it was right as I was preparing for my son to come into the world. From what I remember of the book, there were two things that really affected me. The first of which was, of course, the, the really terrifying scene where um, Gage, right? Yeah. Is taken away, prefaced by the really beautiful scene of him learning how to fly a kite. Yes. And that's really tragic. Yes. And it really weighs on you when he dies. I remember even before I had the book read to me, Reading how Stephen King stopped writing the book at one point because mm-hmm. it was too much for him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he has children.
0: Right. Had children. And, at and the time. if you have children, this this is going to bother you. Mm-hmm. It really is going to mess with your head. Now, as far as what you were referring to right now, you were talking about Judd yes. or Lewis as a person who makes wrong decisions.
1: Oh, Lewis makes terrible decisions, and Judd gives him those decisions to make. I guess is what I, is how I would say it. I don't think he's a villain. Like mm. I don't think he's a needful things type villain. Ha, we'll get there. But <laughs> right. um, without Judd this doesn't happen. Right. Period.
0: And Judd <laughs> so, in the book is a very kind of flawed man who's been yes, through life. In the
1: well in in the book had he used the cemetery?
0: He described it being used, he used it to bring back his dog. Right. Um, I remember him, a really interesting conversation where he talks about confesses after the death of his wife, which is excluded, I think, from both film versions. Right. Uh, that he feels guilty because he occasionally, his own, only real vice is to occasionally go into town, uh, to the town whorehouse. Or the out-of-town whorehouse and a company, as he referred to them, strange women. But, uh, strange women. Yeah, he he has a very biblical turn of phrase at times. Feels the need for strange flesh. I think is the way he puts it, and that phrase stuck in my head. Like, wow. But, um, but as as far as as Lewis, yeah, Lewis is not the best at making decisions, and under the influence of grief, he makes really terrible ones.
1: Right. Uh, no, I just couldn't remember if Lewis had, or if Judd had brought his wife back.
0: No, in the I book. I can't seem to remember if he did. I know the okay. book is much longer, and there's a lot more that happens.
1: book's actually not that long. It's only like 250-some pages. Short. Well, not,
0: it's short for a Stephen, <laughs> for King, Stephen book.
1: King Mostly probably because he was like, I cannot keep writing this. Right. <laughs> this is killing me. So, um, one problem with this movie, fundamental problem with this movie, mm-hmm. is instantaneously when it starts, you know what's going to happen.
0: Is he is she fighting with a? Uh, guy? No, he's just jumping up and down on that table that has the unsteady legs. Oh, okay.
1: I thought they were fighting at the window. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you see that, first of all, put up a fence. A fence. A fence. Uh, fence. This is... <laughs> Are you privy to the... Thirty to fifty feral hogs thing that's been going around on Twitter.
0: No, I have no idea what you're talking okay.
1: about. Okay, so there was a a Twitter a tweet a Twitter tweet from somebody who was like, "Serious question, what do I?" Let me let me bring up the original okay. thing. It was a it was a tweet in response to gun control. It was a tweet in response to the response to the mass shootings that have taken place recently. And Arkansas dad, legit question for rural Americans. How do I kill the 30 to 50 feral hogs that run into my yard within three to five minutes while my small kids play? Okay. And so then people were like, first of all, that's like a weirdly specific um, thing. And it memes. memes came. My milkshake brings 30 to 50 feral hogs to the yard. But one of the things was like, 30 to 50 feral hogs, my kids playing in my yard, and then somebody (laughs) just wrote, a fucking fence in between the two. (laughs) Like... Yeah, there's a. I'm very there's some very good memes that right, came I'm off of it. I'm very
0: confused as to what he was. Uh, that's the actual question. He His worked.
1: response is, "I need a gun that can kill thirty to fifty feral hogs immediately." Which, no, you don't. Right. <laughs> no, you d- no, you don't. <laughs> Doe a hog, a feral hog, ray <laughs> another feral hog. <laughs> Me a name I call my hog, ba another feral hog. <laughs> So another feral hawk <laughs> I've seen this one and I love it so much. <laughs>
0: so, in closing. <laughs>
1: Oh Jesus Christ! I'm sorry because you
0: would like to say that
1: four cells of thirty or thirty to fifty feral hogs never shot. I just can't. Like I love the meme so much, but what I'm saying, but one of the, the first things that I saw right. in conjunction with this was feral hogs, small children playing a fucking fence, uh, to to pet cemetery. I say, uh. Truckers driving on a two lane highway at a a banana's rate of speed, and your house, a fucking fence, build a fucking fence. But nobody's building a fence. And so, immediately when this thing starts, you see these cars go. Trucks go. These trucks, these big, um, I think they're petroleum trucks. And they're going way too fast on a two lane road because one of them, the one that hits the kid gets air at one mm. point and I'm like that's too fast, you're too big and that's too fast you know that one. something's gonna die probably many somethings, pro tip many somethings are gonna die because of these trucks, you know that immediately so anytime the family is outside you're like is this gonna be mm. it? and then of course one of the times yes. it is, we'll get there but offense Doe offense <laughs> like a fucking fence.
0: I think that the idea is that there's so much open land there. Where do you start building the fence? It would be built around your house. Mm-hmm. I think the only other excuse you can say is that they, how long were they there or if they could afford it?
1: I understand that they were just recently there. Mm-hmm. Anything would be better than nothing. Right. Like, it's like going, well, I have these the set of stairs in my home. Mm -hmm. And at the bottom of the set of stairs is a room full of razor wire. And I have a baby wandering around. So
0: this is is Dario Argento's house. It would be,
1: yes. (laughs) It would behoove me to put up a fucking baby gate if I don't want my baby to fall into the razor wire room. But I'm not going to do that because, you know... mm, up a fucking fence. <laughs> and the other thing is, Judd immediately goes, hey, is that cat fixed? Like he asks him in a real way. He when person. he sees
0: church. When he
1: sees church. Church is um, his daughter's cat, right. Winston Churchill, church for short. He says, get that cat fixed so he won't run around back and forth because this road kills all the animals. So they may have just moved in, but this road has been killing animals since 1924 or whatever whenever Spot died. Right. And nobody's put up any fucking fences. Sorry, I'm going to keep saying fucking fences a lot because it's one of those things where like, you watch a movie now and you're like, oh, this movie couldn't be made because cell phones.
0: <laughs> well, this movie couldn't be made because of fences? Fences.
1: If you had built fences, this movie wouldn't be a thing. Maybe the cat, probably not the baby. So, sorry, everyone. I just needed to get that out, apparently. So, the Creed family, it's Lewis Creed, his wife Rachel, daughter Ellie, son Gage, really did a full Jetsons there, and the, and the Cat Church, moved from Chicago to Ludlow, Maine. That's right, guys, we're in Maine. Judd is the maniac you want. He's the maniac we deserve.
0: Okay, so first of all, what does Lewis do?
1: Lewis is a doctor. He okay. works for the University of Maine.
0: All right, so then he works at the university. and He's a
1: man who has to carry a scalpel around with him.
0: Well, that's, the, the, um, that's how you denote what a doctor is. That's that right.
1: Leather bag, scalpel's in there.
0: So on his first day, uh, a man gets killed. By an automobile?
1: Yes. Well okay. l- let's start with um they move in and they meet Judd Crandall, he's mm-hmm. next door, and he's played by Herman Munster.
0: Right. Okay. What's his name? His Fred Gwynn. Fred Gwynn. The enormous and he Fred Gwynn.
1: Is doing an awesome main accent and throwing a lot of colloquial colloquialisms in.
0: He actually does a really good job. I know. I really like him. Apparently Mary Lambert had to fight for him because of the association with the Munsters. Yeah. And that uh, they thought that he wasn't a serious actor, and he is. He's just physically enormous and has a face that's naturally funny.
1: He does have a, he has got a very good face. He
0: wrote uh, children's books and illustrated children's books for a while. Oh, interesting. We used to have them, they were all about, we used to have them at uh, Holmes Book Company, and they were all about turns of phrase, Uh, like a little pigeon toad. And there'd be a very funny illustration of a person with tiny pigeon feet. That. Right. That's cute. I think it was called The King Who Rained, and there's a picture of a king with rain dropping out of his got cloak. You, got so there you. was a lot of, kind of, and he was a really talented artist.
1: Oh, interesting. So yeah. Awesome. So yes, Lewis leaves his family. His wife apparently has no job, that's fine.
0: Her job his is to be beautiful.
1: And to take care of the babies. I uh, Ellen Eileen? What's the daughter's name? Eileen. Ellie. Ellie. They go, that's right. She goes by Ellie. That's why I was confused. She's probably, what, like seven? Between it's seven and nine? It's hard to tell
0: because she's one of those almost like sitcom children who their job is to be precocious so they don't speak and yeah, act like a child. supposed to act. That's
1: maybe true. But then also she throws tantrums so right. she seems even younger. Which
0: makes her a little... That always is a failure of that kind of child portrayal, yeah. Because it's like, why is that child so mature in some respects and so immature in others? Immature in others. She's yeah. always complaining and whining and asking questions that sound too young for her. Because yeah, the rest there's of her a lot of is but church
1: is mine and God can't have him. Right. He's mine. Wah.
0: And I'm like, what are we, what are, what's happening
1: right yeah. now? Um And Gage is young enough to still be in diapers. I'd put him at like maybe 20 months. Not even two, probably. He's a very little kid.
0: He's this old enough to child speak and run.
1: Is doll-like. Mm-hmm. He's so beautiful. And he's going to get so mushed. Well, it's very hard to look at.
0: <laughs> this film and this was something that sounds unkind to say about the remake, but there was a much plainer cast of actors, I think. The family. Oh, I don't know. This don't family know. is very glamorous looking. yeah,
1: maybe. I still don't know where I know Del Midkiff from. Like, oh. I, I know he's been in literally everything mm-hmm. I've ever watched. But I feel like I know him specifically from something, and I can't figure out what it is.
0: Um... He had a science fiction show when I was a kid. Well, I was not when I was a kid. When I was younger, called Time Tracks, That was on one of the independent networks. You know, this is a show that I was
1: unfamiliar with. It I've was, seen yeah. her science fiction show.
0: Right, The Walking Dead.
1: Yes, but I barely saw her on that. That, that was weird. Right. I was like, what is she doing here? Is that no, Tasha Yar? I meant, I meant Tasha Yar. I meant I, the next I, generation.
0: I, I She, that whole thing, okay, that was the year I graduated from high school, I think, or a little bit earlier, that Star Trek The Next Generation started, and she 1988, was one of, so. yeah, one of my favorite characters, and nobody likes her. Every time I mention Tasha Yar, they're like, oh God, thank God her character got killed.
1: I and liked <laughs> her. for a second. I liked her, mm. but... They did her dirty on that show. The writing for her was yeah. not very good, um, and I don't think that has anything to do with Denise Crosby herself. Right. I just think that that, for whatever reason, they wrote a bad female character, and then of course she's the first redshirt to, right. non-redshirt to eat it. Okay, guys, I'm going to talk very flippantly about death in this episode because this one is a rough watch, and I have to be flippant about it or I'm going to get real sad and upset. Well, yeah. um, oh,
0: that it worked. Yes. It's an effective That film. it worked.
1: So, Lewis goes to work, says he's not even going to get so much as a splinter. It's a, it's a university hospital in the oh. rurals of Maine. Don't worry about anything. And, of course, uh, a child... And not a child, I mean a student at the university. So a young man who is struck and mortally wounded. He comes in and you can see part of his brain. That's how you know he's going to die. Lewis does his best to have them call an ambulance. And, you know, the nurses are like, well, he's not going to make it. In the remake, I believe one of the nurses, like, gets sick. Mm. And, like, is unable to continue because this is so out of the Not purview for this hospital for the,
0: yeah what they deal with
1: which is wild because that road right um but and he's like i know but we're going to do everything that we can do uh victor seems to have died uh louis goes to close his eyes and victor wakes up he he says the quote about the stones right
0: the, mm- he
1: says louis he calls louis by his name which right. he'd have no way of knowing um and then says he says the heart of a man is stonier. He says what judge says. Mm-hmm. Um and then later that night he has a dream where he follows Victor's the like, ghost out like he Victor cajoles him. He stands in his doorway and he's like, Come on and then he's like, Well, weird dream and then he closes his eyes, he opens his eyes and then Victor's like right over his bed, like, uh, let's go. Like, I'm not kidding. And so he gets out and he walks with him to the pet cemetery, which is down the path behind their home and he says don't go past there which Mm -hmm. where there's this what is it deadfall deadfall um which i didn't know was a thing but it's like this it's like a dam Mm -hmm.
0: made of uh, made of
1: dead trees and so super dangerous right like Mm -hmm. this is fragile and you don't know what's dead and eaten away and you shouldn't You shouldn't climb that. Uh, So he's like, Beyond there, the ground is sour, so don't go over there. Um, Then he awakes the next morning, assuming it was a dream, but then his feet are covered in mud. So it wasn't a dream. Then, over the Thanksgiving break, he is staying home because I guess he has to work.
0: Yes, and he also wants nothing to do with his wife's family. Horrible. Yeah, they're going to Chicago.
1: And to visit his in laws, the, mm-hmm. the kids and his wife are gonna go back and he's gonna stay there because yeah, they don't they don't approve of him, which is wild. He is a doctor. What is their problem?
0: Rachel's father is an ass. Uh, there's yeah. no other way of saying it. He no one's good enough for his precious daughter, I suppose is what yes, but like And he is like monstrously overprotective and vindictive at the same time.
1: Because it's because he wasn't raised with a father and he sees that as some sort of like m- moral flaw,
0: you know. I don't know. I think okay, it's if wild I'm going to, to me think that if your
1: daughter married a doctor, you'd uh-huh. be like, fucking if I good to enough.
0: think through <sighs> St- Stephen King's rationale uh-huh. and the dynamic that he sets up, Rachel's parents had two daughters, yes, one of whom was horribly sick and yes. who died. So, this is their only daughter. Right. So, they love the daughter. No one's good enough for their daughter. And they love the grandchildren. But they don't like the doctor. But, who's they a guy wouldn't who didn't have a father and does not like this guy trying to be in that job. I just, I so, I can see how weird. that's a very carefully constructed dynamic that King has created. Yeah. And, it's, and remember, he wrote the script too. So, it explains that really well. A guy who's not used to having a father yeah. as an authority figure, and a father who's like, I only got one daughter left.
1: Yeah, but what, right. if you want grandkids, she's got to pick someone. Right. And she seems to have picked a good dude. I think dude. it might I mean, just
0: be the dynamic between the two of them. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, yeah.
1: it's crazy to me because I'm just like... But
0: I think that was really, it was neatly laid out. There's a lot of, having King write a screenplay to one of his films has the extra added value of him knowing all of the stuff that goes into the story.
1: Right, which little character beats And putting to it into shorthand. Yeah, to give. So... Real quick before we talk about, excuse me, th- the Thanksgiving break. Ellie has thrown a couple of temper tantrums about how she doesn't want Church to die. They right. do end up getting the cat fixed. She doesn't want Church to die. She's worried Church will die. She had a dream the Church died. I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm worried. Now apparently Ellie has The Shining because later she also sees a ghost, uh-huh. and
0: it's and she also has prophetic visions
1: and she has yes because. Church, definitely dies on Thanksgiving weekend. But the other thing is that we find out that the mom, uh, Rachel, does not like to talk about death in any way.
0: Now, this shape is or because form. they visited the Prince cemetery that is in front of the Deadfall. Yes. Not the actual cemetery that's.
1: No, not uh, the. Yes, know, not the Sour, sour right. There is a children's maid pet mm-hmm. cemetery. That's been there for probably 70, 80 years. Yeah. Uh Judd buried his dog spot when he was like eight. Um and
0: probably a little older than that. Well, like it seems 12. to have come with the road. Um, yes. With the establishment of the road and animals getting the, the, the
1: establishment road. of the road and the refinery or whatever it is at right. the end of it that's causing these trucks to come through. And
0: rocketing through at full speed.
1: Um and we find out that, yes, Rachel had a sister named Zelda. When Rachel was eight years old, she was left home alone with Zelda, which is child abuse, uh, who had basically lost her mind. She had spinal meningitis. We when we see her, she is a rictus. She uh-huh. is bent and distorted. Her back her spine is completely um malformed. Right. And she looks like a caricature.
0: Now, let me ask you a question now at this point. Yes. Okay? Um, because we're talking about her, and she reappears in flashbacks yes. throughout the story. Do you feel that the depiction of a sister in this film is effective? No. Okay.
1: Um, no, and I did, uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about that. She appears to be a non-human color... She appears to have a full face mask on. I don't know if I'm meant to understand that this is what she actually looked like, which I don't believe. If this is what Rachel saw as an eight-year-old, which I could mm-hmm. believe, but because they never show what she quote-unquote actually looked like, I, I don't know that this is a subjective view. So they've made this girl, who is a disabled mm-hmm. child, right. into a horrible monster, and I don't know why. Uh, I, like, now, I
0: I don't know what I'm supposed to. I remember from. that in the book, um, Rachel refers to her sister as ugly and terrible. Okay. Because of the deformities. Okay. And
1: is that why they made her green? Like I she think, is,
0: I'm I'm legitimately green. In there this. is all the scenes in which we see Zelda. Zelda mm-hmm. are played, and you can com- you can totally see a music video background in this. Uh huh. The room is distorted. Yes. They're taken from Dutch angles. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you know what that means, mm-hmm. but uh, for the audience who doesn't know, it's yeah. when you tilt the camera at an angle to sort of give the whole room a skew. Um. And it's shot with a weird light, and the makeup is so exaggerated that she looks like a, a Cubist sculpture. Yeah. She doesn't even look like she a human She doesn't thing. look
1: like a human, which
0: what doesn't work for To which add to that, she's played work by me. a man. Oh, really? Yeah. Which I'm not sure exactly what that choice was supposed to be. I wonder if
1: it's because they needed somebody who could contort in a certain way, and they Maybe. didn't find a woman who could do it, which seems with odd. a
0: female director, I think that would have been. But for some reason, she went with this choice. It doesn't look like an actual human being at all. No, it doesn't. So I'm supposing that we're supposed to accept that this is her view of things,
1: but because we never see an external objective right. viewpoint, yeah. it just—it just, it just feels... comes across very weird. Yeah,
0: and you know, almost like fashion fetishy weird. Yes. Um, so yeah, that seems... so
1: that that part did not yeah. work for me. It when we get to the remake,
0: mm. I think it works. Better in the remake? Yeah, because they don't go for that. Um, I know what he was trying to do. This is a hearkening back to um, Shirley Jackson's The Hunting of Hill House. Okay. Where Eleanor's character has to take care of her elderly mother and okay. abandons her at just the moment that her mother dies. She right, decides okay. not to take care of her. So
1: yeah, she yeah. Rachel would have to feed her on occasion, which once again is... This is why I think Rachel's parents are trash. Mm-hmm. She was eight when her sister died. Right. Once again, she was in so much pain for so long that it is likely that she was, you know, insane. clinically right. insane at this point. And they left her home alone the night that Zelda died. Yeah. Uh, so Rachel and Zelda were there by or th- by themselves. And what is an eight year old gonna do? Right, like. This is abuse on so many levels. The fact that they were allowed to keep the their living daughter mm-hmm. and then are high and mighty about anything yeah. is deeply upsetting to me. Because I'm like, if you did that to my wife, mm-hmm. I'm not letting you around my children. Mm-hmm. I don't trust you around my children. So I, I, that was a, that's a problem that I have with the parenting and that whole thing. But it makes Rachel really not want to talk about death. She cannot handle death. And um, I think it actually works better in this one than in the remake. But
0: I, I think, yeah, the, the portrayal of the parents, I um, I think that, uh, yeah, her... This is, again, Denise Crosby actually giving a really good performance. Her scene where she remembers her sister yeah. dying is really affecting. And then it's undermined by this weird, surreal yeah. uh, scene that we're yeah. giving flashbacks of. And I think had you... Just taken out. I'm sure there was a lot of money and effort put into creating this creature because it really is what it is. You know, it doesn't bear any resemblance to a human being, really, right. aside from the number no. of the limbs. Yeah. Um, that have you just gone with her performance, which is really affecting. It would have just not just been as good as jarring. And just something in the shadows, right.
1: or just hearing the calls mm-hmm. through the house of her sister yeah. to her. But see what they did makeup wise. It was it just doesn't it, it doesn't was exaggerated
0: work. to the point of being cartoonish which yeah. is a pity.
1: So Thanksgiving the kids are away with mm-hmm. mom dad's there and he gets a call from Judd and he's like I think your cat is in my yard dead and he goes over and yep church is no longer with us I will say here that this man who is a doctor so knows about germ theory. Mm-hmm picks up this dead animal with his bare hands, and I am still icked out about this it. This
0: is, I think, what happens when there's... Like, it's a
1: small thing, but right. get some work gloves. Or yeah. you're holding a plastic bag that you're going to put this cat in. Pick it up with a bag. Like yeah. I I, I, <laughs>
0: yeah. <Ooh. laughs> so, yeah, it, also, if you're bothered by animal death... This is the first many yeah. animal death that happens. Yes, happen in so this, film.
1: this, so the cat is clearly frozen uh-huh. to the ground, so it's not giving it's out body heat. It's uncomfortably realistic. So he has seen to like, dead cat. like pry it off of the ground with his bare hands. Wedding ring just touching that dead animal, y'all. It's rough. Mm. Uh, and Judd is like, so what are you gonna do? And he's like. Uh, I think I'm probably going to bury him in the pet cemetery and then maybe I'll just tell Ellie that yeah I haven't seen him around and that he just disappeared. And Judd's like we're going to go for a walk. I'm like oh no Judd no. They go over the deadfall. And he's like I know exactly where to step just keep moving and don't look down and then of course Lewis takes the wrong step and tumbles
0: to the bottom but he's fine. He's just fallen. Now the implication is here that and this is something I think we
1: might even see Victor's Ghost at this point going, Don't do it.
0: There's a no, uh, okay, that's something else. I'll address that one right away, too. <laughs> Victor's Ghost, I like it, <laughs> is very funny. We had just done for our other podcast actually, not just done um, a review of Jack T. Chick's religious tract, yes, in which he sees a world. <sighs> swarming with angels and devils, mm-hmm. all doing really annoying things to get our attention, like tripping us and pushing us and shoving us and putting thoughts in our head. Yep. And I almost feel like Stephen King saw that and made Victor Pascal one of those annoying supernatural a creatures. A little bit.
1: He's a ghost that has very little sway on uh-huh. the world, but like enough. Um. So he he appears in the dreams. Uh-huh. He apparently appears to Ellie because she's talks later about Pax Cow. Right. she Pax Cow said that so someone's in trouble. This is at the later at a later date. Uh, he gets.
0: He appears to Rachel. He
1: he doesn't appear to her.
0: Well, he actually influences some. He's the subconscious, wandering
1: with her and then is like pushing
0: the things right.
1: happening around her.
0: Okay, yeah, I guess that's
1: right. Like, I don't think she sees I'm, him.
0: I'm wondering because the final shot of them together seems like she's speaking to him directly, but I might be. She's even say talking
1: that. to. He's there. She's talking okay. to the trucker. I don't think at any point we're to believe that Rachel sees this right. character, just that he's there, uh, uh, acting on the world around. As
0: her. a harbinger of of uh, doom, he's great. As an actual person trying to prevent that. He's not so. He's
1: dead. He can't do very much. Have and you seen Beetlejuice? There's not a lot. That something they can do.
0: that I didn't notice the first couple of times I've because I haven't seen it in a very long time um, is there's a slight kind of gay affect to he's his performance. He's a little bit.
1: He's he's a little bit flamboyant. I don't think. I don't know. That's I don't
0: what I know. read. I don't
1: I, know. I, it was just this. I like it. I like the portrayal. I think it was
0: very funny, but there was a little Paul Lind in there somewhere.
1: <laughs> like he was. So he is just like, you You know, Lewis tried to help me. Uh-huh. He he wasn't able to. Right. Right? He, he did everything he could do. So I'm going to do, so do what I can do to right. keep you from totally fucking everything up.
0: And no, He's he couldn't not, do it. But it gives me the impression, you, you see this in the stand and other Stephen King stuff. Where he really is, um, he really does see, and the word is escaping me right now, the notion of two opposing forces working against each other because the same way that the Wendigo, Mm -hmm. as we learn in the book, is in the woods influencing people back to the Pet cemetery, whether it's Judd or whether it's Lewis, that there's something pushing Victor Pascal to try to communicate and warn him. Yeah.
1: Yes, it's not just all bad coming at the family. Dualism, that's the I was yeah, okay.
0: So it's almost like somebody's, they're, they're doing this, but it really depends on the actions of these people in the middle to tilt the scales one way or the other. Right. And in this case, it doesn't go out work out so well because people are, they're holding on to things very selfishly. They're holding on to their own grief. They're holding on to yeah. their own... Yeah.
1: So Judd brings... Um,
0: he brought... He Lewis.
1: brings Lewis and Lewis brings church uh-huh. to pass the Deadfall, mm-hmm. through a swamp, up a mountain, or like what looks like a uh, mesa, mm-hmm. to an old Micmac burying ground mm-hmm. where the earth has I'd gone like sour. I not know how the feel
0: about this. But.
1: Not great, I would guess. Uh, he says. You have I'm gonna go smoke, you have to do it. you bury your own right that's the rule, and you can't tell anybody and then the next day, church reappears, and he's got plastic bag in his teeth, and he smells bad, and he's um aggressive. Mm-hmm. His eyes glow so much; <laughs> he's got the glowingest eyes. Um, and I have to add
0: here that when when Lewis tries to first break the earth at the burial ground, it oh, sparks it like, so hard. Yeah, and Judd tells him the ground of a man's heart is stonier. Yeah, and so it, he's he's getting hints at some point. Like this is bad. This is a really Shouldn't bad do idea.
1: This. And. He asks or er, and, and Judd said, you know, I my dog um I, I had my dog I buried my dog mm. up there. And then when he died late he didn't come back to me the same way and when he died again, I just let him disappear The stay dog came dead. back
0: horrible. Because sometimes dead is better. Dead is better.
1: And Judd, if you know that sometimes dead is better, uh-huh. he's trying to save Ellie heartache, right? That's what he's uh-huh. trying to do. Um and Lewis is like, has anybody ever put a person in there? And they were like, no. And then later you find out, when I said no, what I meant was yes. Yes. (laughs) Um,
0: And we get a flashback of a, I guess what you would call like George Romero's version of a zombie.
1: Yes. So... Bill Baderman buried his son, Timmy, in the Mi'kmaq ground after he was killed in World War II, or coming Mm. back from World War War II. He didn't die in the war. He died coming back from the war, which is a disgusting irony that is very difficult to deal with, clearly, because uh, Bill could not deal with it. He returned, basically, as a zombie. Mm. Uh, He ate people. He ate children
0: from the looks of things. Terrified the
1: the townsfolk, and a group of men, including Judd, had to destroy uh, Timmy by lighting the whole house on fire, including, or with Bill in it, with his son. He says you cannot bury uh, another person in there. It's not for people... And and repeatedly, that's what Victor Pascal has been saying, is if the barrier is not meant to be crossed. It's a one-way street. You don't do it both ways, because whatever comes back mm-hmm. may be partly your son's soul, or your your cat's soul, but
0: there's something else attached it, it to it at the very like least. more that whatever is there is trying to gain entry back into the world again, Mm -hmm. to wreak havoc.
1: So you're just giving it a vessel.
0: Right. Now, in the book, it explicitly describes the Wendigo, which is, and again, remember, this is part of the reason I like Stephen King, is that he's read the same things and watched the same movies I have. Uh Uh-huh. So he's the kind of guy I feel like I can have a long conversation with. Um, There's a story by Algernon Blackwood, which is considered one of the classics of horror literature, the Wendigo about a group of hunters getting lost in the woods in Canada. Okay. In the deep woods. Yeah. And uncovering a spirit that likes to possess bodies. Okay. And it's based on the Indian myth when people during long winters went stir crazy and began killing and eating each other. It was blamed on the Wendigo.
1: It's an Algonquin mm-hmm.
0: story. But um, but a Blackwood story is about a group of hunters lost that begin encountering it. They find a man from their group who was lost, and when they find him again, he's not quite the same. Okay. And it's very creepy, you know. Uh, at one point they noticed that, like, his feet have been charred off. It's very, but he's still walking around and nobody notices until later. Oh, maybe. that's bad. It's oh. Very, <laughs> okay. Also, I think the description is it looks like his skin doesn't fit anymore. It's a very creepy story. Ooh. Okay. Um, but so he's making reference to that because the Wendigo right. traditionally is a spirit that inhabits people and makes them do horrible things
1: horrible things, okay it's, eating people. it's bad, Right. it's, it's a bad, bad thing so that th- doesn't have corporeal form right. until we give it corporeal so form it's, like, it's trying know. to
0: get out of there so that it can come over and find you Okay. I'm brought into mind of a, a film from 1974, Death Dream that was directed by Bob Clark that was very similar to the story that he describes in here where there's a kid coming back from the Vietnam War mm-hmm. and he's dead But his parents' wish to have him back is so strong that he just shows up. Uh Uh-oh. But he's wrong. Yep. And the movie ends with this really sad image where the guy, knowing that he's killed other people because he can't control himself, tries to bury himself and him and his mom are desperately trying to scoop earth over him so that he can be dead again.
1: Oh no, like a, and he's doing it and like he's doing it. Like, he's a like a real flowers for our situation. Oh, and he no. realizes he
0: can't stop himself and he's like digging a hole and she's asking, "What are you doing?" It's like, "I I need I to gotta be, be dead. dead.
1: I can't be out here." And I, so yeah. the
0: final scene is him and his mother trying desperately oh. to scoop earth. it's a really heartbreaking horror movie. Yeah. But I'm almost certain this affected King's writing this, right. this element right. in the novel. It's right. Like, Yeah.
1: So, then we're going to have a picnic. And it's going to be a lovely picnic. (laughs) picnic is... And Gage is going to be... His little baby two-year-old self is going to be flying a kite. And, "Uh uh-oh, I dropped it. And, oh, it's so cute. And everybody's being cute. And Ellie wants to do it, too. But, no, Gage is doing it. But then Gage is following the kite string. And the kite is being pulled towards the road. And then Gage is going towards the road. And then... Oh no, don't let the baby go to the road. And then we see a truck leaving the truck stop. And that's when you know this is the minute because we are watching both things happen. And then Lewis runs, runs after his son, runs. And then he hears the truck and he runs and he yells, No gauge, come back. And then no, it, it and then smush.
0: That scene works really well.
1: It's really bad. You don't, in this one, you do not see it. Right. You see the look on dad's face. Yeah. Um, And then you see an overturned truck. (laughs) Well, I liked (laughs) it better. I
0: seem to remember some CGI truck turning in the remake.
1: Yeah, and in the remake,
0: Uh um,
1: they switch it so it's not the baby. It's the older daughter, which I think works better for some reasons than not as well for others. Mm. For purely movie-making it is difficult to have a a two year old child be scary because a you're working with a two year old child so they can only do so much right b that is small, and I can punt it. I'm sorry mm-hmm. like that sounds terrible right but when you, you dolls are scary, yes, but also I am big and it is small mm-hmm. so there's a disparity of what a small thing can do
0: right
1: um and you don't want a baby to look like a baby. So you've got to use either bad makeup or weird shots so that you're not... See- because this man's baby just died. Yeah. We- you cannot show now show me a baby walking around because that's a baby. And even if I don't have one that affects you, especially because this
0: child is beautiful. Right, <laughs> and I think they worked that well in this film. Gage is obviously supernaturally strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, he literally, at yes. one point, He
1: hangs his mother in the
0: attic. He nearly, What? <laughs> lit- almost literally flies at his father from yes. the attic. That was creepy because it's all this, you don't expect it. Yeah. Um, and also, so, Okay, so, Right, well, let's go yeah, back to let's, the story. Let's go back to Any the story and then we'll
1: get there. But, um, so, so Gage is killed. Mm-hmm. There is a funeral wherein Rachel's dad proves himself to be an ass one more time. Of the
0: highest order. And
1: basically blames Lewis for the death of his grandchild, which is rich because um, you're down one child, so you're a fucking hypocrite. Right. What the fuck is wrong with you? And decks him at his son's funeral. What the shit? And then we get our Stephen King cameo. He is the preacher uh-huh. at the gravesite. And um, then the father, the 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 Rachel's dad apologizes, and there is a little bit of a reconciliation.
0: But yeah, not much of one. It, it's the scene is so, and this is what worked for me for this director in this film. There are individual moments of just family drama. It's yeah. almost like you're watching um, the guy who directed *Midsummer* his first film.
1: Oriaster, oh, yes, Hereditary. Uh,
0: hereditary, where there's moments of family drama that are so horrible. Yeah,
1: that, the whole movie is about yeah. family grief, and there are, yeah,
0: scenes and where it's just The scene, the heavy. horror of the scene where the grandfather smacks the, the son-in-law, and then the coffin upturns, upturns, and for a split second he sees his son's corpse.
1: Yes. that Which is... it's a... He was struck by a truck. Right. Going... 60 plus?
0: Right. With all the inertia that entails with something that's that big and heavy. Y-
1: nobody needs to see the corpse of yeah. this child. If
0: that scene, it, to me, is horrifying. It works on that level yeah. where if that was in any film, I would be shocked at yeah. seeing it.
1: Yeah. Um, Rachel and Ellie are going to go stay with her family in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Lewis is going to come in three or four days, but he needs to, I don't know, work. It's unclear. He, he's not going with them right now, but he is going to go soon.
0: But you know exactly what he's up to.
1: Yes. Ellie is deeply concerned. She's like, something bad's going to happen. Something bad's going to happen. I don't like it. Something bad's going to happen. Pax Cow says something bad's going to happen. So she's having dreams about Pascal.
0: And that alerts Rachel.
1: Rachel. Well, yeah. eventually. Well, um, she
0: puts Pas- Pax Cow, because event- I think originally she thinks it's like a, an invisible friend or something.
1: I don't think she puts it together.
0: And I think At all. That I, I, I thought there was a moment when she realizes that. No, no, no. There. He
1: says Pascal. Uh, His ghost says it, but I don't think she hears it. I don't okay. think she puts it together. Um, and Judd tells him, You cannot put your son in that earth. Mm. And I'm like, Judd. He shouldn't have put the cat in the earth. Why did you tell him about any of that?
0: Right. Well, again, but you're
1: saying it's a drive. it's right. a, It's like a virus. It's like he the razor. Right, you point, have to pass I don't know it why
0: on. I did that, and I shouldn't have done it.
1: <laughs> um. And uh, then, of course, Lewis goes digs up his son and takes him to the burial ground right. and buries him. And then Gage comes back. Now. At the same time, yeah, Rachel realizes some shit is going down and I need to go. And she flies back. She's flying back. And Paxcow is doing his best to, like, she gets to the rental car counter and they're like, we don't have anything. And he's like, what about that car? And then the lady behind the counter is like, we do have this one. Who, by the way, but... is
0: really overacting.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I think she's supposed to be, like, overtake it. Right. But she's she's the way she's playing
0: it is very weird she she's <laughs> like,
1: she, like full on robots out. Right. She like trances it. It's like full on trance. Um and then of course that car gets a flat
0: tire. So yeah, like how did, she's How did you feel about this part of it? Cuz to mean... me it felt almost like uh almost like a comedy Planes, trains, and automobiles? It does
1: feel a little bit like that. But there's an urgency of it, and I don't think it's treated as comedic. No, it's not treated
0: as comedic, but it feels like it could tip that way very easily.
1: Yeah. So Gage doesn't go home. Gage goes to Judd's house because Mm -hmm. the burial ground is nothing if not thankful for your help, Judd. So he goes, and this is the scene that everyone sees where he's... First of all, you keep hearing these disembodied child laughter, which is Nothing the you ever want
0: to hear, ever. I don't, don't want to hear hey, it. Hey, moms, from your children.
1: it's not cute when you have your babies laugh as your ringtone. That shit is creepy. Really? It's always people 100% that? of the time creepy. Oh, good God. Yes. I'm calling some people out specifically. No, I hate it deeply. Don't like it. If there's no baby... I don't want to hear a baby laughing. (laughs) I don't. And this might be why. He ends up cutting um, Judd's Achilles tendon, Mm -hmm. thereby getting him down on his level. And then he cuts his across his face. Why so serious? Why? So he really jokers him. And then he bites out his throat because he's also
0: apparently a flesh-eating zombie. Wendigo, remember. Sure. Eats flesh. That's what they do.
1: So he is left Uh, there. And then... Rachel Rachel hops, after she gets a flat, she hops into one of these fucking trucks to get a ride, right. which I said at the time, I was like, this is a mom uh-huh. who in the last three days lost her baby to one of these trucks. She's not getting in it. I don't care how desperate she is. I do not think she's getting in one of these trucks. But she does, and I, I don't buy it.
0: Well, by that point, I was almost hearing the Benny Hill music as she's running (laughs) around (laughs) trying to get from car to truck to to airplane to whatever.
1: And she ends up going, she goes to Judd's. I don't remember why, though, why she goes there and not to the house first.
0: No, no, she goes to the house. And at the time, um, the Wendigo apparently knows how to use a phone and calls Lewis saying, I'm at Judd's house, we're playing. So he goes over to Judd's house, I think it is.
1: No, 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 but Rachel's already been there and died. By the time Lewis goes over there, because he's asleep in the house, he goes and he passes out, Mm -hmm. and then Rachel goes to Judd's house. I don't remember why exactly, but... um, Oh, she's lured to Judd's house by by Gage's voice. She hears Mm -hmm. Gage's voice, and she goes and follows him. She finds Judd on the ground, terrifying, and... Here's the sister, her dead sister.
0: You're treated um, again to something that jars us with how weird it is. Naturally. And
1: once again, like, oh, he did go home. Gage went home very briefly to open his dad's medical bag and to get the, the scalpel. scalpel. So he's that's what he's killing with. He's killing with a scalpel. Um, and uh, Rachel reaches down. To hug Gage and he
0: kills her. We don't. See I think that. this is dumb, because he obviously has a scalpel. I don't know why he's dressed as a leprechaun either. He's
1: got a scalpel. He's wearing a weird hat. He's got a big scar on his face because uh-huh. he got hit by a truck. I'd like to remind right. you, and and then so and then Rachel's dead. Rachel's killed in the down in the upstairs area. I think, but.
0: Yeah she's hung
1: though. Yes. Uh-huh. This is the thing. This is where it kind of loses me because I'm like, how? Um, Lewis wakes up, he falls out of bed in in a scene that looks like he actually fucking fell out of bed. He I looks think he like did, he because himself.
0: he rolls out of bed and he catches his head on the like the nightstand. Mm-hmm. And it looks like he really whacks himself whacks really himself. hard. And I think it it was. They were like, we're going to use that. He like, got
1: hurt, so we should use it.
0: <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, if you get a reaction that realistic, he really gives himself a shot. And I don't. I think it was completely unplanned. Um, was it the Princess Diaries? Did you ever see that film? No. And what is the name? I've of the, seen Annie the Princess Diaries. Yeah. Is having a scene where she's on the bleachers, talking to a friend, and her character is supposed to be sort of clumsy and odd. During the actual shooting of this scene, she missteps on the bleachers and just lands on her ass as hard as you possibly can, like bone rattling in it hard. And they keep it in the film because the director said, Well, your character is supposed to be clumsy, and we will never get that spontaneous and honest reaction if we rehearse something like that. It wasn't in the script at all, but yeah, the plant that she takes in that scene is actually her. Gotcha. And I think that the same thing happened here. So maybe. This guy just just went ahead first in that nightstand, and he probably had a really nasty bruise after. Yeah. But he was a trooper. He goes through with the scene.
1: <laughs> so he sees muddy footprints, and he sees that his scalpel is missing, He and then he gets a phone call. Right. right. So mm-hmm. Gage is calling him, from the rotary phone across the street. Hi, Daddy. So he's the smartest two-year-old that ever was. He knows his phone number. He can dial it. Because mm-hmm. this is the age before cell phones. This child had it. And you know Judd had a rotary phone. <laughs> he definitely dialed a rotary phone to get, to get a hold of his dad. And his dad goes across the street. But before he goes across the street, he loads up with needles. We don't know what's in the needles, but it's definitely going to kill him. Kill everybody. Kill and also he brings a steak. And he, oh, it's morphine. Um, he runs into church. He throws him a steak, and he's like, it's Thanksgiving for cats. Eat up. And the cat starts eating the steak, at which point uh, he grabs him by the scruff of the neck and injects him with morphine in the butt. Yep. Butt injection. And then the cat dies again. So your second cat death. Uh, and then he goes in, And he finds Judd, and then he climbs up the stairs, and then Rachel's corpse falls out of the attic. Mm -hmm. Now she's hanging, she's actually hanging underneath her arms, Mm because she wasn't hung, that's not how she died. He just, but Gage carried his mom up to the attic? What? What? (laughs) How did... (laughs) <laughs> well,
0: he is easily as strong as his father because in the scene after yeah. uh Gage flies, but out, of the, like,
1: flies out of the attic. I just mean like, flies he's of Well, if he so has a small. rope around
0: her neck and he can throw it over a beam or something, then he can pull her up there. Oh, maybe. But he flies out of the attic like a flying squirrel. He does. He, squirrel he, he
1: leaps at him and then, then there's a struggle, which we <laughs> don't see really. Uh-huh. We see very few shots of the actual... Thing that's being right. fought with, you see a lot of like dad's
0: legs, and you also see dad's flesh being penetrated by this. Scalpel. Yes, by scalpel. Um, and then it's very much like Psycho, where there's so much editing, you don't really know clearly what you saw, and your yeah. imagination is adding much. Which more is fine, fine because he, it's a baby. Right.
1: And then he does end up as cut up as he is. Uh-huh. He injects the morphine, into Gage's neck, and that's when I lose it because this kid, like, gives up the fight and just goes, no fair, no fair, no fair, and then walks away, and when he's walking, he, like, falls, the way that you see a child, like, a little child fall over, and I was like, oh, no! (laughs) Like, like, I know it's a zombie baby, but the way... That they have the baby react uh, to its second death, where it reverts back to being a little kid again, right. is,
0: well, rough. The close-up of watching a hypodermic, hypodermic syringe being jammed into a child's neck yes. is a little rough. Yeah. The expression of the child actor who looks like he's crying while this is happening. He to does.
1: Him. His This is the first time we, we go back to him being, like, quote-unquote normal child, Right. right? He drops the because he's been snarling. He's definitely gonna look. Mm-hmm. Y'all yeah, look at your uh no, your album notes from today. I will be putting a picture of the snarl. I'm sure in the in right. the image for today's episode. And um, but that fall at the end, the well, way the fall, that then he I mean, falls, he thumps
0: his head. It's very much like having a kid who just yeah. Like, stumbles.
1: Yeah, or like is so tired right. that they right. can't stay up anymore. Like.
0: Yeah, it it's was really well done. <sighs> and that's, I think that, and here's my deal. I don't agree with everything that Ari Aster does in films. Yeah. But I like the fact that he's not afraid to push it. And there's been a couple of times watching horror movies where I'm just disappointed that they're not pushing it further. right. right. And so this movie actually goes there. And the remake seems to be taking a step backward and okay, making it yeah. more comfortable for you. Well, yeah, it's not supposed to be comfortable. It's supposed to really just sort of shock you, right? But then, Uh and it's not gratuitous. Everyone here does exactly what you expect them to do.
1: It's not, but like that, that, that little bit, especially. I would think if you have kids, like, yeah,
0: oh no, no, it's still really affecting, and it it is kind of it, it it is shocking to see.
1: And then you're like, but Dad is the dumbest because Uh. Dad. Okay, then we see Lewis uh, with a gas can. 'Cause everyone has a gas can in Maine. Sure. Why wouldn't you? And he's yeah, he'd he'd dousing put a lot more. He's dousing oh maybe. Um the house. Mm-hmm. He's gonna set up set up the house. Now who's dead in the house right now? We've got Judd and we've got his dead son. Uh-huh. And we've got his wife.
0: He's <gasps> twice dead.
1: No, we don't have his wife because this motherfucker doesn't learn out loud, talking to no one, mm-hmm. he's saying but Gage was dead for like three days. She just died. First uh-huh. of all, you don't know how long ago she died. But she just died. Um, this will work this time. It will work this time. And Pascal, his ghost, comes back for the last time like, Motherfucker! Right. I have done everything that I can do. You are not helpable. So he goes and he buries her and he comes back and he sits in his kitchen the turnaround must be pretty quick because he she gets back pretty quick after he gets back. Right. He's sitting on the floor of his kitchen in front of his leaned up against his refrigerator playing solitaire in a manner which no one has ever done.
0: Like they like, do in the movies. It's a movie thing. You've
1: got chairs. You've got a dining table right, right there. What are you doing? But he's down there on the floor and he and his wife comes in and she's wearing one shoe and we
0: don't see her face yet. We
1: don't see her face yet, and she's and he's like super happy to see her, which he definitely shouldn't be.
0: Love goggles.
1: And he stands up and he goes and he ugh, oh, and then we see her face, and she is missing an eye, and goose goop's coming out of it. Liquid. Yeah, she has
0: her. She has this huge separating wound on her face that's literally dribbling liquid as he rushes to kiss her to
1: kiss her. Oh, it's now, so not. I okay. think
0: this <laughs> is the moment
1: deeply upset
0: when you understand why they cast somebody as good looking as these cosby because when they rip her eye out it's just you're seeing from <sighs> on one side saying oh it's not so bad and then you're like oh god uh, no, no I, she has idiots. no <laughs> eye
1: and then she grabs a knife and while they're kissing he she kills him right which is everything he deserves because what are you doing it why did you learn nothing like and Ellie character. is now going to be raised by these grandparents <laughs> who are going to feel super entitled to her. Right. It's, it's...
0: I think what I'm getting from his character, Lewis, is that he's always trying to fix things. He's always trying to have an answer. He's always trying to... And so his need for but solutions, like when he issue. breaks, when he breaks he, badly, he's still stuck in, I can fix this. I can, I can fix, fix
1: this. this. But what he's not... What, mm-hmm. what I have a problem with is he's a doctor, right. which means he's a person of science, mm-hmm. which means he understands how... Experiments work. Right. He should also understand that if you do the same thing, you're going to get the same results. Uh, hey, motherfucker!
0: Well, it's not good. He didn't do the same thing though. He took a kid who had been buried underground for a while, yeah, and then and he had, had probably was... been embalmed. But at this point, right? But at this point, his wife is fresh. If he really took that corpse back up to the the, the cemetery and thought that somehow that was going to be okay. He obviously, something is cracked inside of his head Yeah, at
1: this point. that's, yeah. But I was just like, I mean, well, the,
0: the grief. I mean, from I guess Gage, you
1: can't be a parent and anymore. And he does a but...
0: really good job, the actor, Dale Midkiff, does a really good job of looking crushed. He looks flattened. Like, you can look at him and go, there's nothing going on there anymore. He's just, there's no common sense or rationality to anything that he's doing now. He's just gone. So, Yeah. I can see it consistently. You know what's weird about this movie? What? Is that everyone does exactly what you think they're going to do. Yeah. Now, but here's the thing, though, and it's a testimony to both Stephen King's talents and the talent of the director in this case, and the performers, is that you're compelled to watch the whole movie because you're hoping they don't do what they're going to do. Yeah, it's a weird kind of structure to go, oh, you know, generally the suspense film, what's going to happen next? No, this time you know perfectly well what's going to happen next. And you're hoping that they won't do it. And your expectation or the suspense is she's going to, the wife is going to get there in time and stop it. Or the the neighbor's going to stop it. The neighbor's... Or somebody's going to take care of it, and it just doesn't happen, and you're waiting and you're waiting, and at the last moment you're going, Lewis is not that stupid, he's not going to go back up there and bury his wife. Yeah. And he does, and it's fully as horrible as you expect.
1: I don't know, yeah, I just, I I think we spoke, because um, I think we talked about the remake when it came out, uh-huh. Um, but I'll speak about it, about this one, but the same thing. I think that the female character in this movie is super short shrifted. Mm-hmm. I just she's not a full character. Okay. She's the embodiment of the fear of death, which is not a f- that's not a character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a bummer because they got a good actress, so give her character t- to do. Yeah. Um, other than don't talk about death and go get the baby. That's basically all that she does this whole movie, which is a bummer.
0: Um, Well, yeah, it's interesting that she can be sympathetic and at the same time so frightened of death. When she first sees the Pet cemetery, she's horrified of even talking about...
1: Yeah, I guess I'm also like... I'm a little bit aggravated, and it might be just... It's 30 years ago, so maybe I need to ease up on it, but I'm Mm -hmm. like, bitch, get some therapy. Right. Like, just a pro tip on life... Everyone's gonna die. Right. So you need to find a way to deal with it. Um and I and I, I don't begrudge people with difficulties with death, but she's all her entire personality is revolved revolves around we don't talk about that.
0: Uh-huh.
1: That's it. That's it. it's the entirety of her personality. So I'm just like the- ther- therapy? You need therapy this woman would need there. Yeah, I agree given that what she went through as a child, one hundred percent, she needs to work through some things.
0: I agree that she could have been developed more in the second half. I could have spent less time on her, you know, crazy escapades trying to get back home, and give her a few more scenes where we flesh her out as a person. Um, but yeah, and I agree with you on that point. But uh, she's unusually well developed for a person, a woman in this period of, of filmmaking too. We weren't getting a lot of that.
1: If that's true, then we suck. Uh, Especially when you have a woman directing it. Like I would push Stephen King, hey, could you make her more than... Do you feel that it changed
0: the film, having a woman direct it?
1: Oh, I think that stuff with the kid at the very end, especially the way that it's
0: shot,
1: uh, would have been very different with a dude, but I could be wrong. It was. Well, we don't need to talk about the new one yet. Um oh yeah we've we've alluded to it a bunch but um
0: uh, well i mean it's inevitable because it's just fresh in our memory and i i really think this one was more effective for basically going in the direction that nobody wants to go in
1: there are some weird effects things with lights that they do that i didn't
0: love uh-huh. um there's some of it that's just plain silly the the floating head in the it only happens for a split second yeah was just ridiculous. There was, yeah, you're the, the Wendigo in this I film. think it's
1: odd. Like, I want, uh-huh. and I don't know if she does, but I want Ellie to appear in, like, why, she should be in, um, Doctor Sleep. Yeah. She should be another of the people with this power that, okay, so if you don't know, Doctor Sleep is, it's coming out as a movie later this year, but it's a sequel to, to The Shining, uh-huh. and Danny Torrance is this main character right. in it um, and he, the, the thrust of the story is that there's a group of people going around finding people with the shining
0: uh-huh.
1: and sucking the power out of them and he's going to try and stop it what,
0: that trailer is amazing to me by the way because it's joining two things that did not necessarily work well together the first time which is Stephen King's book with Stanley Kubrick's film it's fully referencing Kubrick's Oh, film. yeah.
1: No, there are full shots and stuff right. from, from from it. So
0: it's, I'm, I'm really curious what King thinks of it going, I didn't know you are going to go in that direction, but cinematically, it might be, if you're going to draw these two sources together, it's going to have to be this way.
1: And because, I mean, I don't think you could do a sequel to The Shining and not reference the very famous movie, mm-hmm. The Shining. You right. know what I mean? Like, I just don't think you could do it. Um, good for them for getting the rights. Um Oh, it's Mike. It is Mike Flanagan that's directing it, um, so that's good. That's right. I trust him because I like what he did with Hill House. Uh, but what was I saying?
0: We were talking about the woman's part, about how you felt. Because I asked, oh, do you feel but the
1: daughter—they yeah. don't really talk about the fact that the doctor clearly or the the daughter clearly has a second sight, right? Like I it's want her really to come addressed. up in, but like the in daughter the Stephen vanishes King universe, from the
0: whole last. I feel like she right. should
1: come back.
0: The daughter vanishes from the film.
1: Hey Castle Rock, right? I've got a character
0: you could use. The daughter vanishes from the film and doesn't reappear at all. At all, which was weird that people keep talking about her in the end of the film. Well,
1: she's a ch- she's a child and she's in bed.
0: Yeah, but we hear <laughs> the mom talking about what the daughter is doing, and the mom. Uh, and then the grandparents talking about the daughter, but we never actually see her, and I think that was kind of missing. I would like to have at least I was one actually scene fine with it because
1: I did not love the way that that no, no, child that was, that, was that, that kid's performance was not doing it for me, right. so um, I will say the uh it ends with the Ramones there's only two songs in the whole movie, and they're mm-hmm. both Ramones songs um the first one was shooting as a Punk Rocker, and the second one is Pet Cemetery, written specifically for this movie and how I opened the reg- the uh, episode. Uh, it was written specially for the movie Big Shock, mm. Big Shock, and it's one of the Ramones' biggest charting hits, reaching number four on the Billboard... Well, the film was really successful. ...modern rock track. Uh, although people like who like the ramones didn't like the song i think the song's fun i will say that the tone of the song felt a little like they were going to show pictures of everybody like that when they were in high school giving Uh the thumbs up like it's a very Uh upbeat song even for the ramones like it's it's happier sounding than a lot of their stuff um but i think overall i think it works actually now we watched it in two parts too um we watched basically up to when the baby is gonna die, and then after the baby dies, right. <laughs> like that's basically we we split it at about the uh, hour ten mark, where there's about a half an hour mm-hmm. left, uh, because I was too tired and I needed a break, um, and it actually worked okay. Out a two hours split. Oh, excuse me. What did you think?
0: I have seen two versions of the film now. I really like this one i I think it made as I said it made better choices and it really it went as far as you can go with this material and still did it in good taste, yeah. Although I could have seen less of Victor Pascal's open skull. That was just like, okay, yeah, I get the picture. Yeah, but there's
1: a reminder that this dude died. And also, uh,
0: this is something that we talked about with Christine and with other films that we've done, Cujo, is that practical effects and editing work really well. Yes. And yeah. even though there's a, some attempts at like early CGI or something in one of the scenes, yeah, I'm not sure what that was, but... Um, for the most part, the makeup effects and everything, particularly that final shot with Rachel and her separating eye, that was really disturbing and creepy and it just worked really well. So yeah, I think overall this film it it was it deserves its reputation. It's a very good movie.
1: So yeah. Yeah, this child was very young. I I was like, oh, that is a baby in diapers. Like, he's mm-hmm. still wearing diapers at the beginning. And then I had a whole thought of when you bury a child who wears diapers, you don't put him in a diaper, right? And that was like a really weird, sad thought. That <laughs> like, is like, a
0: weird, sad thought.
1: Ugh. So that's, that's how I'm going to leave you on a weird, sad thought. Thank hey, you. Hey, no bummers. Bummer. I'm a big bummer. Um... Do you have any recommendations for our listeners to take them out of the bummer
0: I sphere? I actually don't this week. I think what are I,
1: you doing?
0: I have not done enough what this do week. Mean, I no. spent a lot of it researching our, our other podcast without works. the point of fact. <sighs> also, I've been, it's, it's been a rough news week. Yeah. No, and so it's, it's been hard oh, to pull wow. myself out of that headspace. But uh, yeah, I haven't. I'm looking forward to enjoying myself a little bit more this weekend. But it's it's been a it's been a rough week. How was? Uh, do you have something to recommend? Yeah, I've
1: been avoiding things with uh, the Good Fight, so i I watched The Good Wife when it was on, mm-hmm. uh, and then I watched the uh, premiere of The Good Fight when they aired it originally on CBS a couple of years ago, and I was like, oh, this looks good, but I'm not getting CBS All Access yet. then I was listening to a podcast called Appointment Television, and they started doing a Good Fight book club, which is rude, because I literally just started listening to it, and they literally just started doing this, and I'm like, Mm. well, oh, and CBS started airing the Good Fight, and I caught up. And then the Gilroy shooting happened, and they preempted the episode that I was Uh to watch, and be with with news like important right. local news, and the problem with that is because it's on CBS All Access, it's not on demand. So I was never going to be able to watch the show unless I got CBS All Access to watch. Like I couldn't continue. I had I watched what I could watch, and then I was just going to miss an episode, and I didn't want to miss an episode, so. I signed up for CBS All Access. It was gonna happen, have to happen anyway, because once they put the stand out, I was there was no way I wasn't gonna get it. Uh, it actually worked out very well because this movie that we watched tonight was on CBS All Access. So, uh, but I've been watching The Good Fight. I am two seasons in of three. I've watched it all in the last week. Uh, if you are a liberal person and you uh, need some sort of Sorkin-esque legal drama that's going to make you feel uh, like you're not going insane or that you're not alone in going insane, Mm -hmm. I recommend The Good Fight. And Christine Baranski is...
0: I've only seen it over your shoulder, and it seems to have a remarkable cast.
1: Oh, yeah. They film in... It takes place in Chicago, but I believe they film in New York Mm -hmm. because they have so many Broadway people right. in it. Uh, yeah, the cast is a little bit ludicrous. Um, it's Christine Baranski and Delroy Lindo are the two sort of leads. We've got a Rose Leslie, uh, you know, nothing, Jon Snow. Mm-hmm. We've got, and then we've got Audra McDonald comes in in the second season. Um, and then we've got one-off characters and the one-off characters are like Anthony Rapp and John Cameron Mitchell mm. and Bernadette Peters who is more than a one-off and Andrea Martin and so
0: it's very much like when you used to watch Law and & Order and every once in a while oh like oh my god what's It's that
1: every episode has somebody right in it that's like famous for something else um and it's good, it's just good. good, good, uh it's soapy and silly, and especially starting the second season, it feels like they are actively baiting the president, which is a choice, but <laughs> it works for me, um yeah, they're like legitimately doing things that. I mean, could be prosecuted. I think <laughs> maybe, but um, it's a fun watch. It's a good okay. watch. Okay. I recommend it. Oh, also, one of the stars who plays Luca Quinn. Her name is Kush Jumbo, and that's the best name Kush that ever Jumbo. has existed. It in.
0: sounds like something you get with your crab rangoon.
1: Yeah, there's a African name or, or African roots to it. I'm sure. She's a British. She's an OBE. Order of the British Empire, mm. not a dame, though, too young. But yes, the a good fight. On CBS All Access, or you could watch it on CBS, but I don't think you can watch it if you aren't actively recording it, because I think it's not on demand, because okay. it's on CBS All Access. All right. So sorry, I'm telling you to go pay for another streaming service, but... The Twilight Zone's in there. So far, so good on that. We've watched a couple Hi, of episodes. We're going to
0: catch up with the Discovery, I think, too.
1: Star Trek Discovery is on I, there, yeah. I
0: kind of want to see it just for uh, Michelle Yao and all the other... Uh, there's a lot of good performances in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, um, and like I said, The Stand is mm. coming, and uh, that at that point, there was going to be no waiting. So right. I'm we're, I think, still on the free trial, I think. so. Mm. All right, I think that brings us to the end. Since you
0: have no recommendations, are you sure? Unfortunately, not this week. Okay. I can't think of anything. I just just double
1: checking. Mm. So, what are we watching next week? I don't remember. Hold on, let me find out. Sorry, my my computer doesn't like it, and I hit a thing. It's in here. Season five of The Latecomers. That's this. Graveyard Shift from
0: 1990. Oh, my God.
1: I've never seen this movie. I
0: have. It's one of the the Dino De Laurentiis films. Yeah. It is based on a weird, throwaway science fiction novel, and it makes an even weirder movie.
1: It's a. Is it a whole novel or is it a short story? A novel, oh,
0: a excuse me, short story. Short story. But it's like a. It's almost like Stephen King doing a main version of Journey to the Center of the Earth. It's really weird. Okay. I read the story recently, and oh, the yeah. film Rats. is Rats. just odd. Not nearly as odd as a short story, but the film is just odd. So.
1: Well, we're watching an odd one next week. Apparently, Graveyard Shift. Cute women in
0: high waisted pants really mean guys and Carlo Rambaldi's monsters. So, oh, he's back. Yes, he's back. Cool. All
1: right, so that's next week. Uh, in the meantime, if you have questions, concerns, comments, reach mm-hmm. out. Yes. LatecomersPod at com or at LatecomersPod on Twitter or uh, Facebook.com slash Podcast. I think. You can type it into the search bar and double check. Uh, I remind you to take your medicine and we remind you Better late than I
0: don't want to be buried in a cemetery. I don't want to live my life again. I don't
1: want to be buried in a cemetery.
0: I'm addicted to the sacred place This ain't a dream I can't escape Moldings and fangs that are picking up bones Spirits moaning among the tombstones And at night when the moon is bright Someone cries